You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hi parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Just before you dive into this episode, I wanna invite you to join my new membership site for free. My site, which is at www.parent-toolbox.com, is the companion to my award-winning podcast where you will find game-changing tools and resources from me and from my expert guests who are among the top leaders in the parenting world. Join for free today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. Hello, everybody. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome to another episode of Parenting Our Future. And as I do so often, I have a wonderful guest with me today. I have Stephanie Sims, who is a mom, get this, of four boys. And she has another baby on the way. She's not telling if it's a boy or girl. I don't think she knows, but I don't know. (laughs) Oh, Stephanie is a budget coach and the creator of a money mindset course. She's also the host of Legacy, Legacy Through Motherhood podcast talking about all things related to faith and finances and health and mindset and marriage, all with the goal of generational change. I love that. Stephanie, welcome. I'm so happy. (laughs) Thank you. This is great. So where did this all come from? Because I don't think we we wake up one day and say, you know, I'm going to be a budget coach. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, and you know, I really... um, generational change really was kind of the first word that popped into my mind when I wanted to start my business because we talked a little bit beforehand, but you know, I grew up around just, um, relational brokenness with divorce and all kinds of stuff. Um, and my husband and I have now been, we started dating when I was 16, he was 19. We've been married now for almost 11 years. Um, and I grew up around addiction and, um, just poverty and welfare and just all of that kind of stuff. Right. And now my husband and I are, I'll tell you my story really quickly, but we are now building wealth. Like I said, we have a healthy marriage. I'm not an addict. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) Um, and just, right. So there's this like pendulum that's kind of swung. There's this, this generational change chain that has been broken. And ultimately I owe a lot of that to my mother. She's the one that like did a hard stop, a hard pivot, did some crazy deep work. um, And ultimately just turned her whole entire life around and, and ultimately kind of passed me the baton to keep running. And so here I am running with it. So our financial story. Yes. I'm a budget coach and I work a ton with money mindset. And, um, about five years ago, my husband and I, uh, we were, we had like a negative net worth and we were in a ton of debt. And I feel like we, I want to say we just did things normally. Like we both went to college. We had student loans. Um, I moved a lot when I was a kid. So once I had a kid, I like we kind of stretched ourselves for my dream home because I wanted a house that my grandchildren would walk down the driveway to. Like Mm. I just wanted a home, (laughs) you know what I mean? And, um, you know, then we got the cars, we furnished the house, we put a, we racked up credit cards and all of this thing. We felt like we were being fairly normal. Right. Yeah. Until I realized once I started having babies that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And I had never wanted that in my life. Like I thought I would be in the classroom. I don't know if I said I was a, a special education teacher. Mm. Um, I wanted to be in the classroom for like the foreseeable future until I didn't. 
And then I realized that I didn't have the choice to stay home because of the financial situation that we had put ourselves in. And y'all, I was a teacher. (laughs) I wasn't like a doctor making a ton of money. Right. Right. Uh, and, And the truth is, is that I, what basically had to stay in my job because of the insurance because carry, because teachers have great insurance. Right. Right. And so I'm like, well, this is some bull crap. (laughs) Let's just be real. (laughs) So now I have this beautiful house. We're never in because we're always working. Uh, we drive nice cars that sit in parking lots all day and someone else is raising my children. And listen, people have different things, but for me, I didn't want that. right? Right. And so we got pissed basically. And my husband and I, luckily this does not happen all the time. Um, got convicted at the exact same time. We downsized our home when I was pregnant with my third, we sold cars and I learned how to budget like a freaking boss. (laughs) And five years later, we are now debt-free outside of our mortgage. And we have almost like three quarters of a million in net worth through passive income and whatever. And The reason that I always kind of talk about that story is so many people think that getting out of debt or whatever it is, is going to take them like 20 years. And the truth is like, really, we are probably debt free after about two and a half years. And then we've really started to build wealth. So Mm. now I turn around and help other women do the same thing. Wow. Okay. So let me just, okay. I got to think about that for a second. (laughs) So, um, so, okay. So you and your husband, uh, both on your, your, modest salaries, right? You're a teacher. I, I don't know what he was doing at the he time. He worked for, he worked for Target. Oh, oh, okay. So, so yeah, he was really <laughs> modest. Yeah. And, and then you just overextended yourself with a, with a beautiful home cars that probably were outside of what you could really afford a hundred percent. Right. And then furniture that I'm sure was beautiful, but also unaffordable, um, and debt more and more and more just keeps growing. Right. right. And I guess and that I will too, say that right? we were able to like, we could quote unquote afford the payments, right. That's where we get in trouble. Like yes. we could afford the payments of things, but ultimately it took all of our income the second we got paid. Right. Yeah. So you were house and car rich and cash poor, right. Mm -hmm. Or however they say it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And so then you guys kind of freaked out. You got mad, like you said, and you were like, forget this crap. This does not make any sense. And so you be honest, we're courageous enough to say, I don't need this crap. This stuff doesn't need to define me. Right. The big, beautiful house. And, And like, that's what I'm saying. Let's be honest, because that is what we strive for, sure. right? A beautiful house, great cars, uh, you know, the whole thing, right? That's the dream and nothing wrong with that dream. But if you can't afford it, right. you got to be real with yourself, right? That's what right. you're saying. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and exactly kind of what I was saying was like, I moved a lot when I was a kid and we do this often as adults, we overcompensate or we try to, um, to fit into this lifestyle or something that we either wish we had as a kid, right? Yeah. We try to, we try to make it up for something that we wanted that we didn't have. And, or we maybe try to live up to our parent, what our parents had when they were like 50 at 20, which happens a lot with th- these generations right now where we just want it immediately. And so that's what we freaking did. And it was a mistake. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah. Like I'm not going to wait till I'm 50 to have this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my husband and I, when we first got started out in our first little house that we had, it was so tiny. It was so cute. I have the best memories of this little house. 
and we had this little envelope which was like an accordion envelope thing that we got from you know the office supply store and it had little pockets in it where we would take cash out and we'd put it in the pockets like this is all we have for spending this is all we have for entertainment this is all we have for groceries you know the whole thing right so we tried to do that too and then the thing is when you get when kids come things get really expensive right yeah so Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, well, and it, it also is kind of like romantic almost to be young and broke and, um, you know, we're living off of SpaghettiOs. And I remember our first apartment, we had like lawn chairs like instead of a couch before we had it. Like that's kind of cute and romantic and it's kind of yeah. fun. But once you start to have a family, then all of a sudden, like, that's not cute anymore. It's not so cute. It's not so cute. No, no. (laughs) And then that's where, you know, money is what, I think it's now the third leading cause of divorce. And I actually just did a whole thing on this on my podcast, the 12 main reasons people fight about money in their marriage. And and that's where that starts, right? Because all of a sudden it's not this cute honeymoon phase. We're broke. This is fun. It's like, okay, crap, things are due. (laughs) Things are getting called due and we need to figure this out. Yeah. You know, one thing that you just said was talking about your childhood and of course, doing the work that I do, I know how impactful your childhood is from the way you were treated to, you know, the way you were parented. That's the only real experience that we have in our own parenting is the way we were parented. But you're also saying we're taking cues from our childhood that informs our decisions or creates uh, or impacts, influences our decisions today in what we, in how we make our choices and how we spend our money. So tell me about this sort of generational pattern, the generational cycle of money. Yeah. So, you know, it's really interesting when I started this journey of actually, and I will say that my mom started this journey. And then, like I said, she kind of like, was like, sit down, we're learning how to do this where you're going to figure this out. Um, but what I have learned as I've went through this journey over this last five years is that a lot of times we just think it's all logistical, right? Like make a budget, do the numbers, follow through or whatever. I had, who knew money mindset was even a thing because I didn't freaking know. <laughs> I no, no idea. Either. I had no idea. But the truth is, is that like five to 15% of our brain is conscious. So 85 to 95% is all in our subconscious. And you know, that is where our memories are, our beliefs are. And what's really important is that the way that we talk about money around our children, to our children, with our children becomes their money mindset. And their money mindset is what is going to be in the driver's seat of their financial decisions when they grow up. Just like our financial (laughs) decisions, we think we're in charge, right? When we walk into Target, we ain't in charge. (laughs) We ain't in charge, you know? We think that we're in charge when we're house hunting. No, the fact that I wanted a home that I would grow, we could grow. And we always knew we wanted a big family, you know, God willing. Um, I yeah. wanted a home that like I didn't have to move from. And so it's like, there was a lot of childhood stuff there uh, that I, that went into the decision of purchasing that home. And um, I'm reading, is this a video too? Are we going to be like on, on YouTube? Yeah, we're okay. on video. Okay. I didn't know if you're going to share the video or just the audio, but this book, if you're watching video, it's called, it didn't start with you from Mike, Mark Wolin. I don't know if I'm saying his name, but listen, if you want to, if you want like an easy read, not like a super sciencey read, but like an easy read that will just blow your mind as far as trauma goes and how it is genetically passed down. You need to read this book. Okay. Wow. Um, so is that trauma in terms of like, uh, it's not just about money. 
It is not. This is about, I mean, this could be relational. This could be health. This could be all kinds of stuff. Oh my goodness. It is, it is so amazing. And it talks about how we are connected within three to four generations traumatically, right? And so different trauma markers for ourselves can be turned on or off and we can be, um, they call it entangled with again, that three to four generations above us. So Wow. Have you ever, I'm sure you have asked the question, how do these kids grow up in the exact same freaking household? Let's say you have three kids. This one is totally different than this one is totally different from this one. Right. Right. And, and part of that is temperament. Part of that is personality, right? Part of that is the perspective that they just have their childhood in, yeah. but different trauma markers from that three to four generations above them can be turned off or on for different children. And so you might have one son or daughter that has a trauma marker turned on from your father and your daughter, I don't know <laughs> your kid dynamic, but your daughter, you know, will have a trauma marker turned on from your husband's grandmother, something that oh, she had experienced. And so like, there's a reason that our kids struggle with different things, you know, and um, I personally just, I just had a podcast interview with a girl named Dr. Laura Froyan. She's amazing conscious parenting expert. Um, but I have a kid who has some, some behaviors coming out and I'm like thinking through like what happened? Like, was there, was there a trauma? Was there something like everything seems pretty like fine, but she's like, you don't, it could be something that happened with your grandparents. And there's a gene turned on within him that is making him struggle in this way. Mm. So anyways, yes, that is, that can be financial. That can be relational. That can have to do with your health, with worthiness, right. with, fears, like all kinds of stuff. So anyways, yeah. you know, that I, 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 I agree with re and can relate to a hundred percent. Um, yeah, uh, it's like a cell memory, right. And, and even what we, what we're going through, like you right now as a pregnant mama, yes. you know, there's things that you are passing on to that sweet little baby, right. That's, yes. that's in there. So, um, so that's so fascinating. And you and I both, um, talked before, as I always do with my guests, just I know. to sort of get a <laughs> feel too. for everything, you know, and, and, you know, how, you know, who you are and, and, and everything. And, um, you know, we both had some, I, I'll speak for myself, but you can relate, you know, I have some, I have had some trauma around money. Mm -hmm. Money has been something that has been tough for this subject has been tough for me. Um, because of the way I was brought up and we were kind of a feast or famine kind of a family, right? It was really, really good or it wasn't good. And my dad was somebody who was a real fake it till you make it kind of a guy and was not really authentic about things. And so I've, you know, being the, I, I rebel against it, but then I know that there are messages and programming in me mm -hmm. and conditioning in me that come from that experience, Right. So oh, um, it's so messed up. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. It's so hard. Yeah. So, okay. So if we have these generational cycles, these generational patterns, how do we break them then? If, yeah. if, if that trauma marker is turned on for me or for you or for my kids, what, what do we do about it? So there's, there's a couple different things that we can do. And listen, I'm not like a <laughs> I'm not like a psychologist or uh, whatever. However, I've, I've done a lot of research within this just in general. Um, but I want, I think it's also really important to say that when, cause we talked beforehand too, I have money trauma as well. And, you know, a lot of times I have a whole lesson actually in the course that you had talked about earlier, it's called when money trauma comes from someone that you love. 
a lot of times we don't want to go there, right? Like I adore my father. Like I love, love, love. However, and, and I know that you also love obviously your parents, whatever, but it doesn't mean that just because, and, and I can tell you, and I can, you know, I can probably speak for your, your father and mother as well. They never, ever intended to give you any kind of trauma period, let alone financial or whatever else. Right. But that doesn't mean that the impact isn't still there. And so, you know, unfortunately when for me to have, for me to be able to put words to the financial trauma or whatever kind of trauma, you know, I need to deal with, I have to acknowledge the fact that my father gave that to me. And in doing that, that breaks my heart because I don't ever want him to feel bad because I know, like, I genuinely know, especially, you know, as an adult, I know that he did the best he could. And if he could go back and do anything different to like save any hurt, he would. And so a lot of times we just want to avoid it. And so avoiding dealing with our finances, the way it makes us feel, avoiding budgeting, avoiding telling ourselves no, or telling ourselves yes, or even people have trouble spending or saving, whatever it might be. Um, you know, when we avoid dealing with our finances, that is actually a trauma response. And so the way that we can, um, mm-hmm. the way that we can really start to tackle that, there's a couple different things. Number one um, I was reading in this book, y'all got to get this book. Okay. <laughs> read this. this is like your homework. Yeah. <laughs> this is your homework. You got to read tonight. Um, but I was reading in this book when we experience something really traumatic, it kind of, especially as a child or even really as a, an adult, it kind of passes past our, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense, goes through our frontal cortex or whatever, that the logical part of our brain, it kind of bypasses that and goes immediately just to like our feelings and like this sense of something, right? And so the problem with that is, is that we don't have language for it. All we have is this feeling when my husband and I, or my wife and I talk about finances, I just have this feeling. Or when I go to spend money on something that is like frivolous, I have this feeling Yeah. when I, you know what I mean? Like all of these things. And so we can't, once we can, but once we can start to put a word, put words to that, then we can begin to heal because mm. then we can usually trace it back to, you know, our parents or a situation that we had or whatever it might be. Um, and so there's, I don't know, I'm going to stop there for a second, but okay, <laughs> there's a no. lot of work that we can start doing. Yeah. Okay. I just want to, I just want to say what you just said is that avoidance uh, for one, right. And I'm sure there's other things that people do is a trauma response. Yes. Holy crap. <laughs> You're like, whoa. Right. And, and I also want to say in defense of our dads uh, who program some not so healthy messages, I know my dad and I'm sure your dad is the same. Everything he was trying to do was for the family. It was oh, for, for sure. our family. There was ego there for sure. There was some narcissism there too, but at the end of the day, it was for us. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and, and, and I also grew up with a lot of promises like this, like Robin, we're going to be rich. Like Robin, we're going to, you know, go on cruises and we're going to, you know, Oh, you know, you and mom are going to go to New York and do shopping and all this stuff. Right. And I believed it. And there was a sense of loss when I came to terms with the fact that that wasn't going to happen. Right. Right. That was trauma in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you're right about not having the language because there is this sort of sick feeling. And I know the feeling you mean, 
Right. You know, when you go to make, or you have to look at it, you have to look at it, you have to speak it, you know, the debt or the whatever, right? Like that's, that is really hard. Yeah. I'm an avoider. (laughs) I think, I think the majority of people are, you know, we're also an avoider of um, the, the fact that our income has limits. Hello, credit cards, right? Like we avoid a lot of stuff. I mean, just, in, and, and this could, this is a full pendulum, right? Like you could be avoiding, like I said, like somebody who will not spend anything on anything frivolous because their security is within their money, possibly because when they were a child, there was this scarcity mindset that had, was passed down, right? Like, yeah. no, we don't have enough for that. We can't afford that. Like money doesn't grow right. on trees, very common language. Right. And so, um, as a child, we internalize that as there's, you know, there is a finite amount of money and we have to hoard it. And though saving is obviously good, you know, too much of a good thing (laughs) isn't a good thing, right? Um, The same thing with people who just spend like crazy and rack up tons of debt. Also a response of like, could be rebelling from always being told no, or I know that I have a budget client right now. She was never told no. She was always told yes. And so, you know, you think, listen, I'm not even, I could get into so many rabbit holes right now, but wealth can be a burden for your child if you do not teach them how to deal with money. Okay. It's not just a blessing to be able to pass down a lot of money. So just even being able to say yes to your child all the time, that is not a blessing because she is now an adult, has no idea how to say no to herself, her children, her spouse that gets you in a financial situation. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, a lot there. Gosh. Yes. Well, and there are some, there are, you know, in, in the work that I do, there are, there are areas of our lives that are so important that we spend no time training for understanding yes. or being, or, or teaching. Right. And I would identify three right now that I can think of. One is parenting. And I think, look, this is the most important job that we do, period. And when I look at how much time and effort we spend in like your student loans, you, the amount of time that you spent in university, all of that stuff, right? To become a teacher, but this is the most important job and we spend virtually no time training for it. All we have is the experience that we had in our own childhood, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, so there's one that we just think we should know it. And maybe I'm weak for needing help or, you know, um, or struggling. Right. And then there's deep shame and all that stuff. Right. Guilt, yep. Yeah. The other one is cleaning and organizing. We're never really taught how to do that. Right. And that's women's work. So at, just because I am a woman, I should know how to do that. Nobody taught me how to organize and how to keep things. Oh, and there's a total difference that I learned from being able to clean your house and keeping it clean. That's two different things. Yeah. Yeah. And also where do I put stuff? How do I organize stuff? How do I, you know, all that stuff, right? You learn on the job. Yeah. And then, like you said, money, um, how to budget, how to save, how to invest, all of those things are really, really important. And we know now that in today's day and age, First, children are, um, their life expectancy is into 100 years, right? Our wages, you know, for traditional jobs may not be enough 
So we have to look at ways of bringing in new income and different things like that too, right? So, so we have to be real about that too. I know that's not exactly what we're talking about right now, but this is also the reality of where we are in the world. Yes. And so a couple of things. Um, number one, yes, a hundred percent. Yes. Like we learn about finance a little bit when we're like 17 years old and we like would rather be at a football game. Right. And then, I mean, I went to a four year degree. I had a, I have a four year degree plus some of my masters and I never took a finance class again. And so what happens is, is that we, we wake up from that romantic <laughs> part of like SpaghettiOs with a newly married, whatever, or, you know, even if you're single or whatever, and then all of a sudden bills are called due and you're like, crap, <laughs> yeah. I actually don't know how to budget. And that seems like a, such a simple concept. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately so many people have a lot of negative connotations with a budget. The only thing that they think that is, is that they have to say no to themselves and they have to restrict themselves. They don't realize that a budget is very freeing and that it actually is kind of your accountability partner to make sure you're, you're spending within your values. And so let me just hop over really quickly. If you have kids, something that I teach kind of a, you know, say this, don't say this, uh, it is totally fine and appropriate for you to tell your kids, you know what? I'm so sorry. Like we can't afford that or don't say we can't afford that. I'm sorry you know, this, we're on a budget right now. And that's just not in the budget. It is okay to tell your kids that and to give them some boundaries. Um, but then you also, I mean, almost 50, 50, if not the other way around 60, 40, you need to be saying, Hey, and Mar and put this in your budget somewhere. You know what this candy bar or, you know, toy or whatever, this is in the budget right now. Would you like to have it? Because when we are constantly saying, no, we're on a budget, like we can't do that. When yeah. we're adults, are we all not terrified of budgets? We are. Right. Right. It's, it's <laughs> and that's like, what I'm battling. It's like a lack of freedom, right? And yeah. you're saying it's freeing and I'm like, mm, not so much because we yes. do have to say no, but saying no is not a bad thing. Saying no right. to the thing is saying yes to freedom and saying no to debt, right? Right. And, it, and I, and I will always say it is a no, right? It's like, and, and listen, we are the most marketed to freaking generation out there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. when we create a budget, um, when we create a budget, right, we're sitting down at our kitchen table, unemotional, hopefully our phone is off maybe. So we're not getting marketed to right now. Right. right. Um, and we, and we say, you know what, we value putting this much in savings. We value this much for an annual vacation. We value this much for, um, you know, I don't freaking know what investing whatever it is, right. <laughs> Eating organically, what kids sports doesn't freaking matter. And then that's it. And so then when I walk into Target and I like always get the dollar aisle and the office aisle, those are my two things that I'm like, got to have more posted notes, but it is a no. Like when I walk in there, it is a, it's not a no period. It's a no, because it is not a no, Stephanie, you cannot have another freaking journal period. It is no, you cannot have a journal because you value date nights with your husband that your money is budgeted for. Right. No, you cannot have that cute thing in the dollar aisle or whatever, or a new maternity shirt because you value the vacation that you are saving up for and having excellence. Right. So it's, it's more like this angel devil on your shoulder of like, I just keep me in my aligned with my values. That's what a budget really is. Mm, I love that. I love that. So, okay. So a couple questions for you. First and foremost, how did you do it? So you and your husband were like, nope, I'm not going to do this anymore. So what did you do? Sell the house, sell the cars. Did you quit your job? Like, how did that all work? Cause I think everybody wants to know who's listening right now. Yeah. How you did it. Yeah. So we, yes, we downsized about a thousand square feet right after I had my third. So people were Whoa. like, what the heck are you doing? 
You downsized um, to a thousand square feet? Uh, no, we downsized from like a 2,800 or so square foot house okay. to about a 1,600 where we're in right now, actually. Actually, we're getting ready to move back into a bigger house, but now we're doing it like almost not completely in cash, but it's a totally different That's feeling cool. to move into a house that fits your needs and whatever, when you can actually like not just afford the payment, but it's like so much freer uh, or so much lighter anyways. Yeah. So yes, we downsized our home, which took a huge chunk out of our mortgage. Um, I actually did transition home. Um, we sold my husband's car. Now this is important because this is a cars are <laughs> cars are a trigger, man. <laughs> People love yeah. their cars. They do. I personally, it's a lot of things. Yeah. 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 I personally am like, listen, the same McDonald's wrapper are in the bottom of my like used van as is in your nice car, whatever. Probably because we have four little boys. Boys. I'm like graham crackers everywhere. Anyways, my husband, um, he had an Audi, a six Audi, a whatever it was. Um, and so we, that was his dream car, right? I got my dream house. He got his dream car. So we paid that. A year later, we turned around and sold it. That car payment, along with, I had a SUV. I think we were paying almost a thousand dollars a month in car payments. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't a thousand just for the Audi, but anyway. No, it was, no, it was like $555 or something like that a month. I can tell you this because literally when I went through getting debt free, I like knew that payment, man, <laughs> freaking mm. knew that payment. Um, and so anyways, we turned around after about a year and we sold it. And I will tell you, we lost money on it. And oh, people want to argue with people want to argue with me and say, I can't sell my car that is draining me $600 a month because I'm going to lose money on it. We lost about $2,500 on it. So we paid about five months of this car payment without having the car. But let me tell you paying five months was so much better than the next 60. Yeah. And so there is kind of a line there, right? Like you don't want to just be totally dumb financially, but like Dave Ramsey, I don't know if you follow him at all, but he calls that kind of stuff, stupid tax. <laughs> like you make a stupid financial decision and you right. lose money. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it just happens. And so we lost money on that, but it also selling that car got my family out from underneath that debt. So that along with the car, along with really reining it in, I mean, I'm talking going like you started, I don't know if we talked about this. We were talking about the envelopes, right? The cash, yeah. the having a set amount and sticking to it, respecting that our income had limits. And I just, I mean, we were full throttle. So. Yeah. 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 Well, I remember, uh, I mean, it sounds maybe sounds terrible, but we'd have like our welfare dinners, right. It was just like spaghetti and like, yeah, like, you know, or whatever. Like, it was like that, that, that was a $2 dinner and we had leftovers, you know, yeah. and uh, like, yeah. Egg on toast, uh, butter noodles, you know, the, the yeah. whole thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and it's funny though, because is it not a trap as you make more money, you spend more too. So you've got to be cognizant of that as well. Right. Oh, absolutely. It actually, there's statistics that show that the higher income you have, like the more debt that you are in, just because we, we automatically kind of up that, um, up that income or up that spending when we, when we make more. Makes sense. And all the things that you've dreamt about, you can have now, but maybe yep. you can, maybe you can't. Right. 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 Okay. So, so that's how you did it. And then, uh, and then you also became a coach. And so you were able to, to provide some income that way as well. Is that correct? Yeah. I've only been coaching for not even a year now. Okay. Um, I used to do it for free. So <laughs> 
And then I'm like, Hey, I actually can like, I'm actually really good at this. Not to say whatever, but it's, you know, I don't think you can be a guide until you've been on the journey. And then I've just realized there's so many people that I'm like, Oh man, I've been there. And so, um, I mean, I, yeah, I work with women. I actually do. My coaching is like a 90 day cycle. So I, we, and I create the budget for them. And a lot of times, um, I think that my coaching and stuff is different because, you know, Dave Ramsey, every dollar, um, mint.com, all those budgeting apps, that kind of thing. I feel like you're drowning financially and they're like, Hey, let me teach you how to swim. Like do this and put your money here. That's not what I do. If you are truly like drowning financially, which typically it's almost like when people are drowning financially, when they come to me, they think they're drowning financially, but really all they need to do is stand up. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. And they're not quite as, as far deep yeah, as you're only think. in two feet of water or, or yeah, two yeah. inches of water or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. You. And so my coaching, I feel like I don't try to teach you how to swim when you feel like you're drowning. I literally do the budget for you, period. And we work together and we make sure that sounds good and looks good and feels good for you. But then I create your 90 day budget. And then about like 60 days in when you're like able to breathe and your feet are on solid ground, that's when I teach you how to do what I just did so that, you know, the goal is that I'm not needed. The goal is that you are like the hero in your own story. You are running hundred miles an hour with your family towards your goals, creating more choices and whatever else. So that's what I do now. And I absolutely like, I don't know if you can tell it's my favorite thing. I love it. And that's the same reason why I do what I do because I had such a hard time as a mom. Right. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I, I completely understand that. So where do you see most people getting tripped up? Are there, are there like a couple of categories where people just seem to have a block on? Yeah. So, well, <laughs> the one we've been talking about mindset, they don't realize that money mindset is even a thing. And I can't even blame you. Like I said, who knew it was even a thing. So, so you got to figure it. Go ahead. Stop you just for a second. What is money mindset? Like what, what is that? Yeah. So your money mindset is basically the beliefs that you hold about money to put it like to oversimplify it. All right. And those beliefs, um, and whatever that you hold about money are typically formed within like your memories within your experiences around money. So if you've ever had experiences around money, you have a money mindset. So like even stuff like, I don't know, when you were a kid, if you had like a rich uncle who was like a crap head, <laughs> then you could view rich people as like greedy or uh, dishonest or, you know, rude or whatever it might be. Right. And then like, or you might have a rich uncle that was, um, amazing and like so kind and so generous. And so you view rich people as like really kind and generous, but here's the, here's the thing is that if you number one, had someone in your life when you were a child that had a lot of money and was not kind, was not generous, was just kind of whatever, or you at least perceived it that way, or your parents talked negatively about people who had money. Oh, must be nice. Money doesn't grow on trees. Um, must be nice to have somebody help clean their house. Must be nice to do all of these things like that wording that for us can feel like being rich is bad or having wealth or building wealth is a bad thing. And what has happened is they have attached meaning to money. And the truth is, is that meaning or money is amoral. And so it is not good or bad. It is a tool. And so I will tell you, and I will tell you that I struggled with this personally. I'm actually writing a new lesson in my mindset uh, course, and it's called building wealth when poverty exists. I had a really hard time with that just in general. I'm like, people don't have clean water and I'm over here building wealth. How can I like reconcile that? Yeah. But 
so the, so kind of the point of that is we will actually resist wealth. We will resist financial security because subconsciously we view rich people as being like unhealthy and mean and arrogant and, um, you know, whatever shallow and, yeah. and shallow, right. And materialistic. And maybe, uh, if you do have money, that means somebody climbed some ladder and ignored their family, right? Somebody prioritized work over their family. Somebody did whatever. And so, you know, we might not be like that. We might, you know, be able to manage, um, you know, work and family life and all these things, but we will resist having wealth. And people are like, I would never resist. Oh, you would <laughs> because it is a, it is a safety thing for our subconscious that we want to be socially accepted. And so if all of a sudden I am making money and I have somebody cleaning my house, what are people going to think of me? It's almost more comfortable for us to be in debt than it is for us to, um, to be rich or poor, honestly. I can't agree more. I really can't. In fact, um, with my upbringing, my dad was fixated on wealth to the point where even that word irks me. Yeah. Right. And I'm just like, I I was, you know, you know, every, every, everybody dabbles in an MLM, uh, you know, from like everybody does one MLM at least. I I, I think, right. I was too. Yep. (laughs) And I, and I, you know, hear, you know, we're building wealth and I'm just like, so turned off by it. So turned off by it. And so it just goes to, it goes to show you that generational pattern is alive and well. So that influences your money mindset. So that's very clear. And then what else is there? How else do we get tripped up? And thank you for letting me interrupt your flow to explain that mindset piece. Yeah, (laughs) no, no, that, no, I think that's perfect. I think just that whole generational thing. So, but my question, I have a quick question. So do you, are you okay with building wealth or do you feel like you don't have, like, you don't care about building wealth? Like, do you have that kind of feeling at all? Or are you just kind of like, I have, because we kind of have a little bit of the same upbringing and stuff. Yeah. I have, I don't really have a huge, atta- like attachment to money one way or the other at all. Um, I think because of that, because I'm like, I don't care about having money, but also if it's amoral, I could care. Like it's, it's this whole thing. <laughs> right. If it's neutral, then why not? But, but at the but, same but. time, it annoys me so much. Do I really want to go after something that annoys me? Yeah. Yeah. I flip flop. Okay. <laughs> I do. Yeah. If you want to like, if you want an honest answer, I flip flop because part of me is like, no, I just like, what do I care? I just want, you know, to have a great life, like just to have enough to live in this beautiful house that I live in and, you know, be with my husband and my kids and be able to take vacations, like a pretty modest life. And there's also part of me that's like, well, of course, bring in right. all the abundance. I'm worthy of it, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's balance, I think. Yeah. If, if I'm going to be really honest, it's a flip-flop. So um, I know that I'm going to be taking your course because I think it's really <laughs> important for me to, uh, for me personally, for my own growth, to get past this block for me. It is a block for me. It really is. And I yes. don't want to bring that generational stuff in. And when you start you know, as I'm listening to you and I'm starting to think about how do I relay that to my kids as well, right? So being conscious of what I'm saying and conscious of what I've heard. Yes. And I think what you said is so, so common. And I've been there too, where we're like, we just want to have enough. 
And I feel like this is where this debt kind of feels comfortable to us because again, we don't want to be rich because we don't want to be perceived as like these people Mm -hmm. who are really shallow and whatever, because that's what, you know, there are plenty of rich people that are amazing and not shallow, but who, whatever. And then we don't want to be received as quote unquote poor because there's all kinds of stigma that comes with that also. So with debt, um, what debt does is it, you know, we have money. So, and we are perceived as having money, right? Because we have the nice house. We have the nice car, just like I did five years ago. Um, we have the nice X, Y, and Z. We're not perceived as poor, as poor. So our subconscious is safe there, but we're also not rich because we are binded by the chains of debt. So our subconscious is safe there also. And so there is a whole thing <laughs> there to just really dig into and figure out like that you can be, you can have money, right. And be safe and whatever else. So anyways, so I'll, I'll kind of cap that. Cause I could go on forever about mindset. Um, I love but, what you're saying. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but the second, um, the second thing that I think people get tripped up on that I see honestly is organization. I am telling you Robin, that I will work with people who are uh, two months behind. And this is like true story. I'm not exaggerating at all. Two months behind in payments, have things in collections and turn around after our 90, actually this one, we worked two 90 day cycles together. So 180 days. I mean, they paid off almost like $19,000 in debt and they are completely cut up. They have a savings. And it's like, I will say, I think I think one of the stimuluses was in there. So, you know, okay. that, but this is a very modest family. One stay-at-home mom, one, another career that's a modest paying career. I'll say that. Um, and so it's like, it's really just the organization. And I think when people get paid weekly, that is when people get tripped up because oftentimes you don't have one paycheck that will completely cover a mortgage, let alone the groceries and the gas that need to come out that week. And so then we're like, when do I keep money? When, when is it okay for me to pay off debt? When, and it's just an organization thing, which is why I'm really big about doing the 90 day vision, because then I feel like you can be really confident, just like, you know, making those decisions day in and day out. So organization, money mindset, um, I think those are probably the, and then really just like accountability, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. that, I think just that is a big part of it also, because we are taught, um, as women, but really just in like generationally that talking about money is rude or taboo. And so we don't freaking ask the questions we need to ask because it's like awkward, right? Yeah. And so I'm really passionate about just normalizing this conversation about finances with women in general. I love it. That's so good. And you're, you're, you're so right. You're so right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love everything that you're saying. So you're saying money mindset, organization, accountability, and you know, what comes to mind for me actually is it's funny. It's something that I say to my clients all the time, uh, is that I know that what I'm asking you to do to look at your child in a different way, to right. not react, to respond is uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable, but you're already uncomfortable, yes. right? So that yes. accountability piece to me made me think of that statement because like, look, you're like, you're being accountable to a new way that's going to open up so much more peace and joy for you. Yes. And that may be uncomfortable, but you're uncomfortable with your sleepless nights, thinking about your debt, thinking about how I'm going to make this next, next car payment, thinking about X, Y, and Z, all of those things. So, um, 
you're already uncomfortable. So, so why not try something different that will make you feel so much better? Yes. And I, I love the quote and there's, there's a whole bunch of, oh, my kids are coming. Um, my, uh, there, I love the quote. It is called, um, so sorry. (laughs) It is choose your heart and people will make their own version of this, right? Like it is hard to be in debt and it is hard to get out of debt. It is hard to be, I mean, if you know, in a, in a strong marriage and it is hard to get divorced, it is hard to be single. It is hard to be married. It is hard to be a parent. It's hard to not be a parent, you know, especially if you want to be so like choose your heart. Right. And so that is a big theme. I feel like just in general with finances that I have too. like, yes, it is hard to like do this work, but it is good work. And what is the alternative, right? Yeah. (laughs) The alternative is that we are in debt and you know, that we're struggling and finances touch everything. Like they touch our marriage. They touch our uh, experiences as a family. They touch, I mean, everything, they touch absolutely everything. So we've got to, got to, I don't even know what, (laughs) figure this out for sure. We've got to, we've got to talk about it. We've got to, we've got to bring it to the forefront and not make it a secret and hide it and have shame around it. We need to bring it into the light, right. And just say what we need to say about it and own it and recognize that we do have some stuff about it. And I think just having this conversation is going to spark that in a lot of people who are listening. I think they're going to say, oh, like I never thought about it that way. That's my hope oh, yeah. uh, because what you're offering is really, really exciting. So, um, so the course that I'm taking from you is money mindset, right? Is that the full name of it? It's called entrusted with her finances. Entrusted with her finances. Okay. I love it. And you have a really great gift for everybody, which is a masterclass that is, can you tell me the name of the masterclass? Yeah. So it's called money mindset for moms 101, and it is learn how to break generational cycles. So it's a lot about that trauma piece. There's a really practical conversation that we have during it, um, about like how to talk to your children around your children with your children about money in general. And then ultimately like none of us want to just, you know, just by I'm going to irk you building wealth and, um, you know, even changing your socioeconomic status from your parents, uh, that's not enough to break a cycle. And so we really talk about like, so how do we leave a legacy? How do we actually change this familiar narrative, um, to make it last generations? Cause none of us want to like do the work and have it die the generation after us. And so how do we have some longevity with that conversation? That is so great. Oh my gosh. Well, Thank you for sharing all of this. This is so fantastic to talk about. I don't think this is going to be the last time you and I talk. So that's oh, exciting. To me. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this is really, really good. And so, um, look, if you want to get a handle on your mindset, your money mindset, I just want to say your course is $199. It is definitely affordable. And what you're going to learn is going to pay for itself. Yes. Right. And oh my gosh. so, uh, you know, I just want to put that out there to support you and what you're doing, but also for, for those people who are listening and wondering, I'm a bottom line kind of a person. I always want to know how much it costs. Right. Right. And then I'll decide, like I've already, for me, I've, I've I've already decided if I'm going to do something or not, it just comes down to the money. Right. It really does. Yeah. yeah, So, and I will say this is also a way like two things. Number one, you, this is a way to change your financial situation without having to change your income. And the other thing that I will say is that, you know, you cannot fix a financial problem with money. 
So some people will say like, oh, I just need to make more money. No, you don't. Because like we talked about earlier, you know, the more money people make, it is proven that the more debt they have. So you cannot fix a financial problem with money. It is about mindset, how you handle it. There's values, virtues, you know, whatever below it. And so that's really what I get to just in this course in general. That's so great. And this is something you can do with a spouse. Yeah. So it's definitely tailored towards women. I think I say, Hey girl, all the time, <laughs> um, or like you guys or whatever. Um, but, but yes, it is. Um, I have, especially my, all of my budget clients invested and trusted. Um, it is a little more tailored towards moms just because I am one and that's kind of my language, but absolutely it is like full on, I mean, beneficial for both parties. That's so awesome. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And where do people find you? So I'm mainly on Instagram. It's kind of where I hang out. Um, and so that is at Legacy Through Motherhood. And like you talked about before, I have a podcast by the same name, Legacy Through Motherhood. And my website is simsarrows.com, S-I-M-S, arrows.com. I love it. Thank you, Stephanie. You are such a bright, shining star. Thank you for helping us with all of this and for using your experience to help the rest of us. I can't yes, think of a better you. way to, uh, to share an experience by helping other people. So I think it's wonderful. Thank you for your information and for the gift. I can't wait to watch that, uh, that webinar and uh, dive into your course. So thanks so much, Stephanie. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace.